0: starting a new sermon series, we're calling it My Big Fat Mouth, and some of us here have, uh, maybe maybe just me, we have big fat mouths sometimes that get us in trouble. Who's ever gotten in trouble because of something they said? Maybe uh, if your hand is down, we'll, we're going to talk about actually lying on one of these things, <laughs> so make sure you make it for that one. Um, but this week we're going to talk about complaining, and complaining is something that is only human, um, we all have complained at some point in our life, and in fact, we complain. There's tons of research on this, um, but people complain multiple times within just a conversation. It's, it's crazy the statistics on this, but we are people that love to complain. In fact, it's kind of like junk food um, it feels good while you do it, but it does nothing for you. In fact, it can make you worse. And so, this is what we're talking about. We've talked about at some level complaining in prior messages, and so. You know, this is something that, you know, hey, why don't we move on to another topic and talk about the, who's the third beast of the fourth? You know, but this is something that really impacts your life in the world. And we could dig into some, you know, theology stuff that's really deep. But this really complaining is something that is this is your window to the world. People see what's a Christian like? Oh, that's what they're like. Oh, I don't want that. So if, if this is not something we can have the mind and the heart of Christ on All the other deeper stuff that we can get into really doesn't matter. Because other people are not going to want to have anything to do with what we represent. And so this is, I think, something that we need to constantly talk about, constantly come back to. Because it's a problem that is so deep-rooted in in who we are. that it's hard to just once in a while talk about, well, we shouldn't be complaining. All right, amen, let's go back. Because I know for me, uh, I was driving to school, driving Dane to school this week. And uh, you go down Bar Road. And you come at the wrong time by the bus barn. You know where the bus barn is? You come at the wrong time. All the buses are turning in. And the buses don't care if they block traffic. And you're late to school. You're not quite late. But you'd just be perfectly on time if the buses weren't there. Right. Yeah. So they don't care. They're turning in. And they wait. And other people turn in. And they just back up traffic. And I'm sitting there like, oh, if you you know, if You know what I'm talking about? You've been in traffic. Out of your control. What can you do? I want to beep. What's that going to do? Uh, so I do the U-turn. Go all the way out of the way. This is probably didn't save any time at all, but I felt like I was in control, and we were late. And I wanted to complain. I remember, I just, I knew I was talking about this on Sunday, but I'm thinking to myself, it's so funny, like, I want to go just tell somebody. I want to get on Facebook. Ah, the bar road traffic, you know? I want to find that, the happenings of Lexington County Facebook group, and type in, oh, the bar road bus, man, they got to solve this problem. What's wrong? With I wanted to go, and in fact, I didn't couldn't even catch myself mentioning something to the office ladies because I do come in the office quite a bit there. They know who I am. Like, oh, you again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, you know, the buses. I'm like, wait a ah. It's so hard to stop ourselves sometimes just from airing our grievances. And, and what I'm talk about today is not the type of complaining. I want to make this point. The definition of complaining, if you just look it up, it says to express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. Okay, not all complaining is the same, okay? Some <laughs> complaining is actually purposeful and it's not wrong. It actually helps solve a problem. Um, if you're at a store and you see something that is amiss and you point pointed out I and mean, you're working in retail and working in, and they say, hey, you know, there's a big fat puddle on the floor, I, I just want to let you know, man, you want to know that. That's a good complaint because we want to put a sign down we want to make sure somebody doesn't get hurt and then we have a huge lawsuit and all these sort of things. That's not a wrong complaint. That's solving the problem. That's, we're not talking about complaining that solves problems or that fixes things. We're talking about that expressing dissatisfaction or annoyance. And it just goes out into the atmosphere and it does nothing. but make us feel better in that moment. This is the type of complaining um, we got to be careful about. I was even watching the game last night. Uh, we were had a Michigan State game on. Cecilia likes Michigan State. We watched that. And one of the announcers was like, talking about Tom Izzo, the coach of Michigan State, and how, oh, he'll have something to complain about at halftime because they turned it over. They were up by like 20 or something, but as a coach, this is focused complaining. Okay, we may be up by 20, but we can play better. We gotta stay focused. This, that's not the complaining that's so bad for us. That, that's got a purpose, it keeps the team focused. He'll go complain at them, he'll, he'll bark at them, uh, but there's a purpose to it. What we're talking about is the complaining that we do like me on my example of driving on the buses and telling the office ladies, what are they gonna to do to solve the buses on Bar Road? Nothing. It just I'm just doing that because I have to just get it off my chest or something. So, what we're talking about when I think of complaining in the Bible, I don't know where you go if you have some Bible background anything about people in the Bible that complain. But if you look in the Old Testament, you can think of God's people as the children of Israel as being the biggest complainers. And isn't that a funny Funny thing to think, that God's people can be the biggest complainers. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So God's people are the biggest complainers. And, and, and it's often when God has done something for them, done something good for them, uh, that they then find something to complain about. So they get rescued from Egypt. They have the ten plagues and cross through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies drown. Wow. That's God who just rescued us. We were slaves for 400 years here. Now we're on a new path. We're on a new journey. Things are different, and it's a little uncomfortable, but we're in a new spot here. The God, He's done a lot for us. But, not, but three days later, they're complaining and wishing they could go back to their old situation. Think about that. Right? Think about that. Think about it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I think it speaks to us as God's people how God can bless us. Can help us. And, and maybe three days later, we're, we're back to, man, my life stinks. What's up with this? God, where are you? And, and, and we forget the blessings of God. Um, God, it says in Exodus 14, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? This is terrible. You freed us from slavery. What is going on here? Didn't we save you in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. No, I don't think they said that. No, um, that's, that's making up something here. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. No, now they start manufacturing a story that something never happened. Uh, you well, know, wow, oh, this is not good. Now I don't like this. I want to go back to my old situation. Life can get us uncomfortable. We can get to some spots that we don't know. It's some uncharted territory. But we gotta be careful. We don't complain. When God is actually blessing us and leading us into something new. That's good. Um, yeah. If you go on just a few chapters, this is what Moses says. He says, you're not grumbling against us as your leaders. You are grumbling against the Lord. Exodus 16.8. You're not grumbling against us. You're grumbling against the Lord. So think about that just for a second. I don't know. Just, just reflect on it. Maybe every time that we grumble about things in our lives, we complain. Maybe it's not as much grumbling about Uh, This problem or that problem or uh, the traffic or uh, my job. Maybe we're really grumbling against God. Just think about isn't God all powerful, right? Doesn't God have power to work in our lives and lead us through things? And doesn't. The Bible say he will work all things together for the good of those who love him. So maybe we're not there yet. It's not good yet, but he's working it. And we're in the middle of it. We don't like it. It's not going fast enough. And so we're just going to complain. And we're really not complaining against our situation. We're complaining against God. Mm-hmm. Think about that. that. That changes the whole tenor of our complaints. And I'm not here this morning to make you feel guilty because I am the chief of complainers, just like anybody else. All right. I, I'm with you on this. And we can feel we're not here to beat each other up and say, oh, wow, you big complainers. Now get it all right. I mean, we all do this. But we want to be drawn closer and closer to Jesus. We want to be drawn closer and closer to his desire and his intentions for our lives. And so that's why we talk about this. That's why we're diving into this. So the the lens for our discussion is this this question. What in your life do you complain about most? I want you to take time. If you have a note thing, you can write it down. Do that. Um, Or just think about it. If you're not taking notes, just think about that. Reflect on that question. What in your life do you complain about most right now? What thing? Maybe you got more than one thing. You want to write down two things, three things. I don't know. But what is that thing that you complain about most in your life? It could be, could be work, could be schedules. Right, right. Work. That's a, that's always a good source. Uh, schedules. So busy. So doing this. So doing that. Sometimes I get. It's a, it's a double edged sword. I like the many things we're doing, but then I'm like, oh, I'm so busy, but hey, I created my schedule, right? Um, We complain about work, but also they pay us. Don't they? I mean, unless you're in a job and they don't pay you, you need to figure that one out. But they should be paying you at some point for your work. So, and then you got a place to stay and you got your bills paid. So there's a benefit to it as well. Um, Maybe some people complain they're not married you know their relational status is not what they want I wish I was married not married uh, then they get married they complain that they are married because the person they married they didn't, you know something happened they're not perfect and so this is not good claim about all the meetings you got to go to your boss is this way or that way They're too demanding um, my house is too small I live in a small apartment I don't have my own place you get your own place it's too big hard to clean right now I got all this stuff to do money's tight Um, I've never heard people complain they had too much money, though. That usually doesn't happen, but most of us don't have too much money, so that's not going to happen. But um, sometimes we lose sight of other values when we have too much, but we complain about people. We get on Facebook, this and that and the other thing. Like I said, happenings of Lexington County complain about the political situation. President's this, the president's that, this is happening, that's happening, I can't believe we're, we're offended by this. On and on and on. We're we just can't believe. We're, we're just, you know, pollen. You've got to wash my car twice. You know, You've got to yellow again. Well, you have a car, so that's good. Uh, so we can even complain about like the weather, the pollen, the Wi-Fi is too slow. You know, we complain about Wi-Fi. You know, what's up? A Wi-Fi. I was I was kind of tempted to complain. When we were at the game. We were watching uh, Duke and uh, whoever they beat up on, and um, we were watching that game, and I, you know can't connect to my social media and post these pictures of me at this game because everybody's on their uh, the tower. And so we're, we're slow on the data, you know. And so it's terrible. Life is so hard oh here. You know, it's so rough. Um, people can, you know, they, they've watched every show on Netflix. Man, why does Netflix come on with more, more shows? I mean, seriously. I mean, I've binge watched everything. And, you know, this is just not good. Um, on and on and on, we can complain. But the problem isn't The weather. The problem isn't the pollen, the Wi-Fi, or Netflix, or anything else. The problem is that when we complain, this is I want us to get this part because it's important, is that we've taken our eyes off of the goodness of God, and we've gotten preoccupied with ourselves. That really is the root of complaining. It's a preoccupation with ourselves. And that's why I really wanted to sing this song today, Jesus at the center. Because a lot of times when, when we complain, we don't have Jesus at the center, we have ourselves at the center, and what we're complaining about is, is some inconvenience, uh, some problem, something with us that we don't like, which is human. That's that's part of living. But in that moment, we're thinking about ourselves and ourselves. I know Dane's never done that, but um, never. But one day you might learn what this is about to complain. You've been such a good man so far, never to complain. Um, but. We get preoccupied with ourselves, but I want to look at, just for a second, we're going to look at Philippians. who is In the book of, uh, or the letter of Philippians, was written by the Apostle Paul. And I would think, and, and we've looked at his life before, we've looked at this kind of idea, but the Apostle Paul, probably among many people in the New Testament time, had a reason to complain more than anybody. He had a rough, rough experience uh, as an Apostle. He was not the apostle with a business card and a nice car and a jet. He wasn't that apostle. That, that's somebody else these days. right? That, you know, he, that wasn't that apostle. He was the apostle Paul who got beat down and left for dead. He was the apostle Paul who um, would go to a place and, and get shipwrecked on the way and have to be day and night at sea. He would be imprisoned, falsely accused, all these sort of things, um, Beaten, stone—all these sort of things. He was not, uh, dealt a very comfortable experience as the Apostle Paul, but he writes so many fascinating things in the midst of that. In fact, many of his letters were written from a prison. You know, if we were in prison, what would we write? Man, I hate this place. It's is terrible, right? Right. We start. We write letters back. Who can get me out of here? You know, it's horrible. Why? Why am I here? Right. Paul's letters are not preoccupied with himself, he writes letters to encourage others while he's in prison. I mean, you just think about that. That's a different way of thinking. That, I, would, I would submit to you that's probably a very Christian way of living. And that's, that's a, a target to, to aim for. It's, now, it's, you're not going to get there today, right? But that's where we're aiming. If we can aim for that in our lives, in our worst situations... We still want to help other people. We're not preoccupied with, man, why am I in this tough, stinky situation, man? Oh, this is horrible. Who's going to get me out of this? How am I going to? But in, even in the midst of in our pain and our hurt and our suffering, that we're, we say, God, you have me here. What can I do to bless somebody else? If we could be people that did that, if I could be somebody that did that consistently, imagine the power in that way of living, the impact in that way of life. The, the, how different that is than what we see with anybody else in the world. I don't know about you, but if you were the apostle, Paul, you could say this. You know what? God, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. Have, have you ever heard somebody say that? Have you ever said that? God, this isn't fair. Or just, it's not fair. Yep. Yes. And I, my kids are just laughing because they know somebody that said that. And they should be going like this. Pointing at themselves, Right? That's a common phrase that I hear in my house. It's not fair. And I've, I've tried to be creative and funny and say the fair comes once a year. So you don't expect don't expect the fair to be, you know, you got the fair. That's my, my comeback. I don't know if it works because they still say it. But I mean, I'm trying. I don't know. But, you know, it is it's pretty basic. Kids are great because they're examples of grown-up people like us. They're just unfiltered. It's what we think. They just say it. We think it. We may not say it out loud, but they whatever you know. It's not fair. It's not fair. But you know what? Fairness is not something we're ever going to have a grasp on. Life isn't fair. When was it ever promised to be fair? When did God ever say, I'm going to make everything balanced and fair throughout the entire world and in your life? That's not the promise of God to you. That's not in the Bible. God never promised you things would be fair. He promised to be with you, to never leave you or forsake you, to uphold you, to give you strength. And some people's circumstances are horrible. Some people's circumstances are not that bad. And you know what? We could look at that and say, God, you're not fair. And maybe he's not. But he's God to this person and God to that person. And I think think we have a poor evaluator of what's fair. I think that's one of the problems. Sometimes we think... This is not fair. That's not fair. But we don't even know how to measure it to start with. We may say it's not fair that person won the Mega Millions and got all this money. And that person didn't, and they let the person in line, or she let somebody in line in front of her, whatever the story was. And, and well, it's just not even fair, you know. But we don't even know if the Mega Millions is what life's all about,
1: right? What if that
0: person? I mean, there's studies that show that people who win the lottery actually their life goes like this, right? Either, either they spend it all or there's, there's such a, a diminished quality of life because of all the pressures and stresses and so, so forth. But we don't know what fair is anyway. So why don't we put that off to the side and say, God, I'm not going to worry about what's fair. I'm going to say, what do you have for me in this situation? How can I get my eyes off of myself and get my eyes onto you? I think that's what the Apostle Paul demonstrated to us. He says this in verse 14 of of Philippians 2. We'll we'll read a a few verses here. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Or one translation says complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's, that's, that's That's a hard one. That's a target that we don't. Hit very often, but that's a target nonetheless. It is isn't God's word. It's it's for us this morning. It's for me. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Mm-hmm. Do everything. It's for the Sundell household. Yeah. I get to preach my kids. That's why I told this thing in the If you guys really want to be a part of this sermon, again. it's parenting. All right, um, you guys. It, that's the benefit of being a pastor. You preach at your kids once a week. Hopefully, they listen. You can do <laughs> yeah, you're, thank you. you're listening. So do everything without complaining or arguing. Um, there's, so there's so many spiritual reasons for not complaining all throughout the Bible, right? But there's practical reasons, too. You guys know that, right? When we complain, there's a guy named Travis, Dr. Travis Bradbury. He wrote Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And he, he, he lists some research about complaining that when we complain, it, it hardwires our brain to do more complaining. So the more we complain, it hardwires, it with a lot of activities, just like habits. We hardwire ourselves to do that again. It builds a neural pathway in our brain to then make it easier to complain again. That's why you've been around some people before, you're like, wow, like everything I ever talk to them, it's always something that's not good. You know, it's never like, hey, it's all day, it's awesome. It's like because in some people's brains they created these pathways where they always find the negative. They always find what's not good. And we can be those people. So we have to be careful that we're not wiring our brains to do more complaining. Uh, and, and so it's also confirmation bias. We start looking for things to, to confirm what our biases are. Yeah. So if I think this is going to be a terrible church service today, and we start looking for why it's going to be a terrible church service, we say, like, I don't want to be here, man, We can find many examples of, of why you know this is not where we want to be. If we think... Something's going to be a horrible experience. We can color it all to be a horrible experience because that's how our brain works. Confirmation bias. So we have to be careful that we don't uh, create that in our brains that we have find everything to complain about and not things to be thankful for. What if we reverse that and say, what can I see that is good? What, if, what can I look for and say, yeah, that's not great, but I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I don't like the pollen on my car, but thank God I have a car. You know, yeah, my, you know, my job is really working hard, but thank God they're paying me at the end of the week, you know, it's going in my bank account. I can pay my bills and I can go buy myself a nice sandwich that I want to eat, you know? So how can we, how can we take it and reverse it? Have you ever seen this in your life? Maybe the tendency to complain and then get to more complaints, or you've seen that in somebody else. Have you ever seen that in your life? Um, I don't know about you, I've seen it myself, I've seen it in others. But I don't, want to be, I don't want to be looking for the bad, I want to be looking for the good. Just like the Apostle Paul, I don't want to say, God, you know, this is not fair, I don't want to be like that. I want to say, what can I do to, to write and to bless other people in the midst of my, my hardship? So here's two points I want to make today, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. I think the Apostle Paul would be a great example of this, of how he lived and then also what he wrote. When it comes to things that we don't like, the circumstances we don't like, I think he's a good example of this. So number one is this, if you can change your circumstances, do something about it. So when we're talking about not complaining, it doesn't mean you should never change a negative situation. Like I said earlier, if you see a big puddle on the floor in the grocery store, it'd be good to complain and let them know. You don't just, oh, no, that's not really a problem. Praise God. You know, <laughs> just walk right through it. You know, uh, so if you can change your circumstances, do something about it. It, it. In other words, we're not trying to go through, like, pretending like everything's okay when it's not okay. That's not what not complaining is about. It's not living in la-la land and just, oh, everything's awesome. Yeah, this is so, because everything's not awesome. It's okay to embrace reality. It's okay to get there and say, you know, this is a negative circumstance. I don't like this. That's fine to say. But we can't park it there and then just go broadcast that out to everybody. If there's something we can actually do about it, then we need to get busy and do something about it. Olivia, you ready? Okay, yes. I told her I'd talk about trolls. Yay. Okay? You guys have all seen the movie Trolls. No. I know you have. No. Nobody here has seen that. Yeah, exactly. That's why a good I have point on me. So. Um, in this movie, Trolls, that Olivia loves so much that I've happened to watch a couple times because she loves it so much. Um, uh, there, there's these little troll people with the funny hair. And they stick out. Yeah, they, the hair sticks up, but that's not the point. Um, the trolls in the movie only see the positive, and, and there's a, there's somebody called Poppy, right? Yeah. And Poppy is so happy and loves everything and wants to smile and hug everybody every half an hour, right? I mean, yeah, and, and then there's a guy that sees the, the reality. And so the whole plot of the movie is the trolls are happy living in a tree. Everything's great. Everything's so wonderful. And then there's one of them that's like, oh, no, there's actually some negative things in the world. And he's like the, the downer guy. And they have to figure out where's that happy middle of this is real. How can they help each other? So they kind of lift him up to be a little more happy. And he brings them down to reality of there are hardships in the world. And they have you know the whole plot. I don't want to ruin it. Because you want to go watch it this afternoon. Wow, what's going to happen? Right. But it's interesting. We can be, Christians can be the little trolls. Not the internet trolls, but we can be those. But the the trolls that live in the tree everything, Let's hug each other. Praise Lord Jesus. And and all the while, outside of our little Christian bubble, our little tree, there's a world that's suffering and hurting. There's people that are going through things, and we're not called to just ignore stuff and say, no, I'm going to be positive. Oh, God called me to be positive. I'm going to ignore everything. We're just positive here in our little room, praising Jesus. God's called us not to just do that, but to then go into the world and affect it how we can. Right. So when there's we can go make a difference, we go make a difference. We don't just pretend it doesn't happen. Just like Mission Lexington here, there's people that are, are hungry, that can't eat. So we don't just say, no, that's not true. We're just praise God for everybody here. No, let's try to feed them. Let's try to give them some food so they're not hungry. That's something we can do. Right, that we're either we won't complain about man. You know, everybody should be able to eat. That's just not fair. Well, let's create an organization that can then feed people and do the best we can, helping people with the issues that they face. That's a Christian response. That's what we should do. So when we can do something to change our circumstances or change our, our community, we should do it. Uh, the, you see the example of Nehemiah in the Bible. He he feels something in his spirit about the walls of Jerusalem, and he didn't just complain about man. Why the wall all broke? Man, it's so messed up. You know, why did that happen? You know, it was like a long time ago, but I'm just mad now. I'm going to write on Facebook about it. I'm going to, you know, tweet about it. But no, he he goes and God stirs his heart to do something about it. Because even at that point, he didn't know if he could do something because he wasn't even there. But God led him through a process. He prayed about it. He sought the Lord. And God led him to actually go make a difference in a tangible way. So when you can do something about something, about a situation that you don't like, do something okay don't live in that false reality you know you probably heard this story the uh, the pastor was talking to a group of kids in church and, you know in church you have to always know the right answer and, that, and the answer you know you have to have to be honest and so um, he has does anybody know what the small furry what small and furry has a bushy tail and runs up trees and looks for nuts you know what that animal what it is it and the little boy sat there and said you know what Everybody's quiet. They don't want to answer because they don't want to be wrong. And they know they're in church. And the little finally little boy says, Well, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel. (laughs) You know, you you probably heard that story, but I didn't make that one up. But you know, we were in church one of I I think we've got to be so spiritual. I think it's always Jesus. But sometimes the truth is we just we gotta be honest. What what is the answer? And the answer could be giving somebody a can of food. It's not just saying Jesus Adam but doing something practical to help them. And so when we can change our circumstances, do it. But number two, if you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. If you can't change your your circumstances, change your perspective. Now, because I was preparing this message and I was reading, you know, know, in, in the thought process, I tried to do this on whenever the day was I was driving Dan. I thought about this. I'm like, I'm change my perspective. Okay, I get to hang out with Dane a little bit longer. <laughs> this is cool. I was like, all right, I get to hang out with my son. All right, so why, what, did, what? What's the good in all this? You know, I was trying. I was trying to do that. Sometimes we, you know, it's easy to do. Sometimes it's hard. But in our circumstances where we have no control, many times we have no control, and we can't affect the change. It's beyond our control. Um, what do we need to do? Well, change what you say about it, change how you think about it, and change what you see in those circumstances. The Apostle Paul writes in, in Philippians, and in, in going on to verse 17 and 18, But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad, and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. That's a different perspective. That's a different perspective on a life that's being spent in prison. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, this this idea of a drink offering comes from the, the Greek word spendo. It's about a sacrifice at that time where they would they would pour onto the, the, the animal that's being burned. They would pour onto it their most precious liquid. It could be a wine or a honey or some sort of liquid, oil. And they would pour it on there, and, and there would be an, uh, an aroma. There would be a... Um, Depending on what it was, it would kind of fizzle up if it was hot. And um, this was the drink offering. Um, You think of the woman with the oil. She poured the oil on Jesus' feet, her most precious uh, gift, and she she anointed his feet and and washed it with her hair. And Paul's talking about not just being poured out and dying one day. I'm going to be martyred for Jesus one day. But he's talking about, I believe, every day of his life. That each and every day, even the word the tense in Greek is, is an ongoing process. That each and every day I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I'm being poured out on the altar. This is my life is being offered each and every day, and I'm glad. This may not be the circumstance I want, but I'm glad because I know I'm doing this not for myself, but unto God. I'm in this circumstance not, not because I wanted to be here in prison. He wanted to be there to preach. He wanted to be there to. To proclaim to Caesar. He wanted to be there to, to do a lot, but he found himself in a prison. But he said, you know what? Even if that's the case, I'm black. because I'm living this life for God. He, he Just like he wrote in Romans 12, 2, I'm, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice. It's not something that you do just one day down the road. One day I'll die in some crazy martyrdom death. But each and every day when I go through things that are not what I wanted and I didn't care for, when I have the attitude and the mindset that I'm doing this for the Lord, I'm pouring my life out. I'm spending myself as an offering to God. I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice. How could he rejoice in the midst of these circumstances? Well, the truth is because Paul is not the center of his story. Jesus is the center. Paul is not living his life for Paul. Paul is living his life for Jesus. He says this in Philippians 1, go back a chapter in in verse 12 and 13. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He was a prisoner, but God was still accomplishing his mission. So even in his his circumstance that he didn't want, he was still able to preach. He's still able to testify and proclaim it. Through the grassroots, the message was getting out. It wasn't how he imagined it, but God was accomplishing his purpose. God has a purpose even in our lowest moments, even in our times and our things that we don't want. God has a purpose. There's a reason. There's a lesson. There's an assignment. We may not be able to see it. And Paul was chained to a Roman guard. I'm going to ask you this morning. What are you chained to this morning? What are you chained to? What is, what is that thing that you were chained to this morning? could be a health situation. God, what's your purpose? What's your reason? Why? It's not fair that I have this. Why? Well, maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relational challenge. What are you chained, chained to this morning? You think, man, I just want to get out of this as quick as possible. I just want to, you know, break off, break every chain. That's a song, right? Break that much chain. Break the chains on here. But maybe God has you there for a purpose. You're chained there and you don't like it, but God says, yeah. I got you right where are you. I got you where you need to be because you can affect something. You can make a difference right where I have you. If you can't change your negative circumstance, do it. You know, bring your A game, get hard work, maybe you need to get counseling, do all those sort of things, but if you can't, change your perspective. Change your perspective. I know um People have gone through so many hard things, and usually those are the people we look at as examples of, uh, like going through a difficult. hour. I know of a pastor his, talking about his daughter, twenty-one-year-old girl that got mono, and she was healthy, vibrant person, and then she, about a year and a half of her life, she just struggling health-wise, and she couldn't couldn't go to work, couldn't go to school, had to had to unenrolled from school and all these sort of things, and just wonder what where's my life going. I'm 21, I can't even get better. I'm just kind of struggling with this. And he was talking about how his daughter had told told him that through it all, she she kind of started ministering to people online, and just found like a group of people that have similar health struggles, and realized that I have a ministry here, people that need encouragement. And so she began to use her time over the course of a year and a half of just ministering to people. That are going through similar situations. I know maybe you've been some uh, people that have experienced cancer or lost a loved one or gone through certain things, uh, people that have been a part of a family with a suicide or, or, a, or a drug situation where you find that in that certain sense that I never would have wanted, I can now come and minister to somebody else in a way that I never would have before. And you realize that God brought me through this and, and I went through that. I never wanted it, but now I can minister and I can make a difference in somebody's life like I never could have before. Paul says, even if, even if I'm being poured out, even if my life is oozing away, it's not what I want. Even if what I wanted to accomplish never comes to pass, he says, I will still rejoice. I will still rejoice because in the middle of all this, I can see the goodness of God. I can see that he's with me. I can see that he has a purpose, and he's working through me, and he's still good. Even if I continue to suffer in my body, I will still praise God. Even if my migraines never go away, I will declare his goodness. Even if I keep praying and praying for that miracle, and I never see it, I will know that God is still good. Even if I keep looking for a job and the job doesn't come, I'm going to still praise God. we got to become people that don't just see problems, but we see divine possibilities. We're not just looking at the obstacles in front of us, but we're looking for opportunities. David is an example of someone also in the Old Testament who probably could have complained quite a bit. Especially early on in his life, he's anointed as king. Think about the story of David. When you reflect on these Bible characters and see the humanity behind it, sometimes it's really helpful. They're people like us. He was anointed. He was the youngest brother, anointed as king, um, and probably got kind of excited. I would get excited. Whoa, I'm going to be king. He's cool. But he had to wait and wait and wait and go through hardship and difficulty and ups and downs, being elevated. Oh, now I killed Goliath. Okay. Now God's about to pull it off. Now I'm somebody. And Oh, now now I'm running for my life. Okay, now this isn't good. Now I'm in a cave and it's cold and damp and wet. God, where are you? And you see in his life with the Psalms, his inner struggles with everything. God, where are you? What's going on? Why is it like this? And even David, I mean, he gets into some complaints, but he doesn't complain. I don't think he's posting them online or he's just saying saying to his buddy here. He's saying, God, I need you. (laughs) I don't get it. And I think God is always ready to hear our complaints. He's always ready to listen. Because even in the Psalms, if you read some of the Psalms, David starts by complaining, starts by listing his problem. And in the middle of the Psalms, they will shift. And he'll, by the end, he's praising God. Yes. So I, I want us to kind of conclude this morning just by thinking about even in those problems, those things that we face. Rather than broadcasting, even if we, we just got to get it off our chest, let's get off our chest to God. <laughs> let's say, Lord... Ah, I can't handle this. This is too much. This, this job, this person, all this is too much. But if we lift it up to the Lord, I believe He begins to change something in our hearts, in the midst of it. It's so much more than just telling a friend or just airing it out into the atmosphere. When we bring it to the Lord, He begins to change us and change our perspective and give us a different viewpoint. It happened for David all the time. He says this, Psalm 103, 2-5, to he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Because it's so easy, right? He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. David said, I don't want to forget all that. In the midst of my struggle, I don't want to forget all those things. I don't want to forget all the goodness of God. I don't want to get caught up in this this one circumstance that I don't like, this one pain, this one annoyance, I don't want to get caught up in that and forget everything good that God has done. I want to remember that each and every day. And I, like, like David, I want to be that person, and I pray that will be you, that as we walk out of the doors and we engage ourselves in our lives this week with all the things that are going to happen, that we don't forget the benefits. We don't forget the goodness of God. We don't forget that He's with us. We don't forget all that He's done in the past and all that He's going to do. He's not done yet. And we don't get just caught up thinking about ourselves, self-focused, and worrying about something that's really bothering us. Especially those things that we have no control over, those things that we can't do anything about. Those things that we have no ability to change at all. We gotta say, Lord, this is, I give this to you. And if I'm gonna complain to anybody, it's gonna be to you, God, so that you can change my heart. So as we wrap this up, if we'll just bow our heads and close our eyes. Like Paul said, even if, even if I'm being poured out, maybe you feel this morning like you're being poured out of it. in this season of your life. Things are not the way you wanted them or envisioned them or thought that it would be. And if you were pulling the strings, if you were in charge, right, you would have wrote a whole different story. This would not be where be, or what you'd be doing, or whatever it may be, but the truth is God has you where He wants you. And even in those times where we run from God, we get out of His will, He can bring us back and, and He can redeem those times when we're away from Him. And I just want to pray for us today that we'll get a, the mind of Christ about our circumstances. And He'll fill us with joy. He'll fill us with gratitude, he'll fill us with uh, even excitement about what he wants us to do and what he has for us a sense of purpose that our life is not just about us and feeling comfortable and feeling good, but he's called us to, to do greater things. So, if you would pray with me this morning, and, and just I don't know if you're here today and you're kind of struggling with your circumstance, maybe there's something you're facing that you just find yourself complaining about a lot. Maybe you would just want to lift your hand as I pray and say, you know, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. In this circumstance, help me. I want it to be this way. I want it to be this way. But God, help me to see what you're doing. Help me to see it from your perspective. Father, I pray this morning that you would just fill us with your grace. God, those that are facing trials, those that are facing challenges. God, those who are facing maybe some significant things that are just unwanted, that are, they're not fun, they're not good. Lord, I pray that we would, whether it's big or small, we'd be able to see what you're up to in these situations. We'd be able to trust you more and more. God, give us the power to change our perspective. Let us not fall prey to just complaining being upset to being angry to being getting all down that path or it just makes it easier to do that again but lord help us to, to create a new way of living a new way of thinking lord we need your spirit to come and renew our minds to renew our hearts this morning lord help us to be filled with joy even if we're being poured out even if each and every day feels like it's a sacrifice lord fill us with joy knowing that we're doing it for you and not for ourselves Yet our lives matter. We're living for a greater purpose. Lord, I pray for those of us here that struggle sometimes with complaining. Help us, Lord, to get a new perspective. Even this week as challenges come, God, help us to have a new perspective. Help this message to sit with us and rest with us. Help us to remember David and Paul and and, and the children of Israel, Lord, as we go through our circumstances. Let your word come and rest in our hearts. Lord, pray first and foremost, above all, that you would be the center of our lives. That you would be in the center. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.